Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with uh, our our good friend and uh, and kind of sage from the stage as well as guy by the side, John Obolewski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to see your smiling face across the table. <laughs> the other side. I uh, I am so, um, let's just say intimidated. You say excited or I, I'm so intimidated by what we're going to be talking about in this episode because I think it's going to be very challenging for people. People who generally succeed have done so by doing everything required. And we've talked about the, the effects of that burnout and so forth. But right. today we're going to talk about doing less and less and less to accomplish more and more and more. And it right. all started on a treadmill one morning where you were listening to a podcast. Tell us that story. Yes, yeah, so I uh, it was last summer, and uh, I was at the gym with my earbuds plugged in listening to a podcast, and all of a sudden my day was rocked by the words of an interviewee on this podcast I was listening to. And here's what the inter- interviewee said. He said, leaders need to ask themselves, Am I only doing what only I can do? Hmm. And Jim, I mean, have you ever heard a sentence that just stopped you in your tracks? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one did. It. It. I didn't hear the rest of the podcast. <laughs> we were only about 10 minutes into it right. when he said that. And I could not get that thought out of my mind, yeah. uh, not just during the workout, but it was the next several days hmm. and, and weeks. And I, I, I just wouldn't let go of right. me. God was it sounds a little weird, sentence. but it yeah. just it just captured me. And that uh, was all I could think about. And why do you think that is? Are you in a place right now where that question is pertinent to your life? Or do you think this is a missing key in many lives or all the above? Well, to be totally transparent, I'm struggling. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I've been working very hard at implementing that, that thought. Am I mm-hmm. only doing but only I can do. Now, I know the answer to that is no. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a simple thought. Right. It's yeah. a complex thought for me. So yeah. over the last six, seven, eight months, I've been mm-hmm. working hard at uh, learning how to let go, Jim, of things that um, don't fall into that category, that don't fall into the, that aren't the answer to that question. Um, you know, I, I think probably a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a stretch. I think everybody is, right? I think mm. I think when we do things that we shouldn't be doing, we take away opportunities from others. Yes. It, it's harder sometimes to delegate. It certainly is harder to train somebody, watch them do it poorly for a season until they can do it well. Right. Um, we lose a part of our identity when we lose a part of, of our purpose, if you will. Mm. We did it because we enjoyed it. We were good at it. It produced the fruit that we cared about. But little by little, I think I think it is very clear that God does, as seasons evolve, he does remove things from us that right. uh, they're just not part of our our portfolio anymore. Right. You know, especially in a growing church dynamic. I used to do everything, and I enjoyed doing everything. I'd be out there fixing the diesel tractor, and you know, fixing the injectors and mowing the grass. It was very satisfying to do it. And then I realized I didn't have the time, and something had to go. And you begin to give up things that you enjoy to do the things that are more important. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I guess it kind of comes down to. I mean, I know in my own mind, but from your experience, why don't you simplify things? Why don't people or why don't you simplify things? So I think the, f- the first one is the fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, 
And as a leader, I think it's tempting to say yes to every opportunity that presents itself to you. Uh, even when it's out, here, Jimmy, this is interesting. Even when it's outside of your skill set yeah. <laughs> and passion, you talked about liking some of the things that you used to, but sometimes, yeah. you know, I said yes, and leaders say yes to things that are way outside their ability, way outside their passion. Yeah. And, and I think what go, is going on there is, you know, what happens if I say no? Yeah. Uh, will I be missing an opportunity to grow my church, to grow my business? Um, and, 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 and it's so easy for me, Jim, to forget that not every opportunity that presents itself to me is a good one. Yeah. And some are good, but they're not great <laughs> yeah. opportunities. Yeah. And, uh, and if we struggle, I think if we struggle with this, I think you've heard the term scarcity mentality before, mm-hmm. Jim. Have you heard yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Versus an abundance mentality. Right. Yeah. And, and I think if we have a scarcity mentality, we, we, we think saying no means we won't have enough. Right. That, that we, we uh, and so we, we say yes to everything because oh, if I, what, what happens if I say no to this request to speak somewhere or right. this request for a church, <laughs> from a church for us to come and help and, yeah. and things like that. And, and, uh, and so learning how to op- operate out of a different mindset, an abundance mindset, yeah. helps us, I think, get forward right. past this fear of missing out. So and we, can make, we can wait for the right opportunities rather than just jump at every opportunity. You got it. A, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I had a friend of mine, he's a motivational speaker, and he said, hey, I double booked and I need you to take this role for me. And I said, oh, I'm not a motivational speaker. It's well, just, it's a bunch of people that do uh, radiology. There's 180 college-educated radiologists. Come and just motivate them and taking x-rays and MRIs. I, I don't know how to do that, but I, I said yes. Yeah. I got there and realized that the stories that I had to tell did not relate to them. I realized that when I got there, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I'm not allowed to talk about God. I, I finally just started cracking jokes. I told them that I, I knew very little about radiology, that the, I just learned last week medically the only or the biggest difference between an oral thermometer and a rectal thermometer was the taste. I, I mean, I just went way, <laughs> way off the reservation. And they were dying laughing. But I, I mean, th- this company got paid big money for a, quote, motivational speaker, end quote, to come in and talk. And I, I should have said, no, I'm not a motivational speaker. I don't I don't even know what radiology does. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. Why did you say yes? I guess maybe. Can I, yeah. I ask you that? It was a friend that was asking for a favor. Yeah. It sounded like fun. Um, in the end, it wasn't much of a favor, and it was absolutely no fun. There you go. Yeah. I got a chance to share the gospel with some people in the fairway before. Right. I doubt anybody wanted to talk to me afterwards. I didn't want to talk to me afterwards. I, I think God gives you the grace to do things, and, and that grace moves. I think there's a grace to be you know, the father of young children that isn't on your life when you're in your fifties and it is where yeah. it is on your, in your twenties, yeah, you know? Absolutely. So I, I think, I think there are things that we have to move over and let other people do because right. if we don't, they miss the opportunity, they miss their season, they miss their life. And, uh, we just need to move forward and, and do more of, right. of the things that we do best. And that means less of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. That's my experience. I've accomplished a lot more in the last five years by doing less. Mm-hmm. That's that's very true. But it, but I do miss the times of leading worship. Yeah. And I do miss the times of actually leading my church staff. I miss being a pastor. I, I miss sitting on a pew for an hour after the service to have a conversation with somebody and sure. praying with them. That that's A lot of things have gone by the wayside as the church has grown and the staff has grown. And now I lead leaders and pastor the pastors, and that way it works. Right. But in retirement, I hope to get back to some small farming community where I can just pastor 
a bunch of people, you know? So yep. so we talked about that. Anything else you think that, that comes along the same line? Why think, don't we focus on doing less? I think it's fear of disappointing people. Yeah, and that's probably why I said yes to my friend right there yeah. for that speaking engagement. I, I hear a lot of leaders tell me that they're over, the reason they're overscheduled and have no margin in their lives is because they don't want to disappoint people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They worry about letting people down. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've given some thought to what the root of that might be. Um, I, I mean, it could mean, I'm interested what you think about this, Jim, it could yeah. mean that you just care. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're caregivers in the yeah. ministry, and so caring for people is is what we do. What do you think about that? Might be one of the things that's kind of moving that, yeah. That that fear. What do you think? I, I agree. I, I think I think you want everybody to succeed. You know, you you used to be when you were younger a dreamer of big dreams, and so you see somebody dreaming these. I mean, I still have big dreams, but I'm I'm in them now. I'm living right. those dreams and beyond. But when people have these these dreams to begin with. It, you you want to help them. You know it's harder than they know. You right. know that you have something that will help them. You want to be a part of it. But how many how many church plants? How many business upstarts? How many troubled marriages? How many wayward prodigal children? How many of those situations can you effectively be involved in? Um, you, you want to help everybody, right? right? I mean, Jesus wants to help everybody, but he doesn't use one person to help everybody. Jesus didn't help everybody. He helped mm-hmm. those he was supposed to help, right? And others. He taught others how to help others as well. So. It does multiply if you do what you're supposed to do. So, I, so I think this caring thing can degrade. Yeah, it, it can it can degrade into an unhealthy posture. I think, and here's where I think you start to get unhealthy with it, Jim, is when you start to think it's my responsibility to make other people happy. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about that for a while, right? And hopefully, you understand how unhealthy taking that responsibility on yeah. on is. Yeah. You know, I so I, I think that. Part of it can be a good thing, right? We care for people, but that can get to a place where it gets out of control. Um, You know, Greg McEwen was the interviewee on this podcast, Jim, that uh, said leaders need to ask themselves, am I only doing what only I can do? And uh, he wrote a great book, and I would recommend this book to anybody listening. It's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, one of my favorite books that I've read in probably the last four or five years, just a a paradigm-altering book. And uh, he writes in his book about this Silicon Valley exec who would evaluate requests for his time and energy this way. He would ask himself this question, can I actually fulfill this request given the time and resources I have? Right. Which I think is great. You know, that's a great starter. But then he goes on in the book and he says, um, he says if the answer was no, he would refuse the request. Yeah. But as time went on, he, he took this to an even higher level of, of questioning, a higher criteria. And he would ask himself, if somebody asked for his time or him to do something, he would say, is this the very most important thing I should be doing right now wow. with my time and resources? Wow. And, and the older I get, Jim, the more important that question yeah. becomes to me. Right. Is this really the best thing I can be doing with my time right now? Is this is, is this going to give us the most leverage? And when I mean leverage, I mean it the most influence. Right, right. Are we going to be able to influence more people if I say yes to this? Right. And, and uh, again, if he couldn't answer a definitive yes, wow. then he would refuse the request. Right. Um, so 
I think that the punchline there, Jim, is that leading an organization, whether you're in the business world or you're in a church world, leading a team will present you with more opportunities than you can handle. Yeah, yeah. And that might be hard for some people to yep. swallow, right? Because they have big egos. Yeah. And they think I can take, I can handle a lot more than you think. Yeah. Um, and, and when we when we don't understand that it's easy to become a mile wide in an inch deep. Yeah. And, and I feel like the process I'm going through as I, I'm working through this idea of am I only doing what only I can do is that I'm doing fewer things now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a lot narrower in how we help, but I think we've gotten much better at it. Right. And we're adding more value. I don't know, Jim, what do you think about that? I, you know, you said that less I'm using a paraphrase, but less products, but better ones. I think about Steve Jobs and the thing they did at Apple. They made refrigerators and toys, and he said, nope, we, we make five items, six items. This is what we make. Everything else got shut down. Mm-hmm. Everybody else got fired, and they went about making some of the greatest world-changing products in, in our lifetime. And I, I think there is something to be said for doing a few things very well, right? Um, doing them completely, uh, feeling great about what's been done, seeing the value of them, and then moving on to do the next thing. So I, I hate to quote Charles Emerson Winchester from MASH, but I do one thing, <laughs> I do it very well, and then I move on. That's the way he performs surgery. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's the same thing for us. I think we are called and gifted and graced. And when we move outside of that calling, gifting, and grace, we know it. There, But sometimes mm-hmm. we'll keep doing it because, well, I, it makes them happy. Or I really believe that we are all, um, by the grace of God, geniuses at something. We're effective at something. We're leaders at something. We're key to something God wants to do. So finding that and being ready for it is everything. That is the ballgame. When you hear good and faithful servant, it's good. uh, What we're doing that was good and and faithful. What were we faithful to? So I don't want to be unfaithful in my goodness. I don't want to be good in my unfaithfulness. I want to be good and faithful. There's a a sentence here. I'm, I'm reading some of your notes. This is leadership isn't about getting more things done. It's about getting the right things done. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's the one that's going to stop me in my workout and say, am I getting the right things done? Because we're getting things done. Am I getting the right things done? The stuff yep. that God's valuing. And, and so, Jim, if I would say anything to our listeners, I really want to challenge you uh, to think about that. Am I getting the right things done? Yeah. Am I only doing what only I can do, and let that become like your marker. Let that become your yeah. your goal, and it might take you the. It'll probably take you the rest of your life <laughs> to sure. get there. It's but evolving. it's a worthy goal. Yeah, it, it's it's a worthy goal, and I, I really want to challenge our our listeners to become more focused than ever in the weeks and months ahead. Right on. Well, this this kind of is an interesting segue into our our, our upcoming podcast. You know, number twenty four here. That's going to deal with the five behaviors of a secure leader. Right. I think a secure leader can say no and knows when to say yes. They're um, back to previous podcasts. They're not trying to be a people pleaser. They're trying to be a God pleaser. So that security, again, I think this is a key to sanity and success is really um, knowing who you are, living from that without apology, without Mm -hmm. excuse, and without reservation, I think that's a great way to live. So, and any teasers you want to give us for the next podcast? I, I just would say this: one of the most shocking discoveries I've made in my life, Jim, was how insecure I was as a young leader. I've been afraid to even ask the question. When that so, dawned, yeah. when that dawned on me, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but when that dawned on me, and then, uh, and then the second uh, biggest shock is how many leaders, especially in the church world, struggle with this, especially, and it the gets them world. into trouble. So we're going to tackle yeah. that. Uh, 
in our next podcast. Right on. Well, John, thanks again for your time. This is the fastest 15 minutes of my week, and I, I'm grateful. And I, I hope that as people hear this, if you feel inspired by something or you want to hit that like button, that share button, or make a comment below, all those things adds up to be a part of a community, part of a a message and a conversation that comes out of it. So this is not just for us, the three of us sitting here, you know, uh, John, I, and you. This is for other people. So share this, like this, comment on this, and I believe that together we're going to do some good if we're not careful. So God bless you. In the meantime, have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week for episode 24.